Hello, this is Tanika Drake from God's Gift Through His Word. I just wanted to say thank you all for doing the work that you do and sharing to help people not only be aware, but to change how they view themselves and how they see domestic violence, which is something that, of course, continues to really just out here in the communities of just the world at large, just continues to just ravage different places. So Thank you for helping people to not only to learn about the services that you all provide, but also provide a space where those who may be new can actually listen and hear different stories and testimonies of how that individual has overcome. So thank you once again for what you do. I am also a survivor and overcomer of domestic violence, and I just happen to find your particular podcast. So God bless and continue pressing on. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 19 of the NDV Healing Podcast, hosted by your host, Teresa Simon, Executive Director and Founder of NDV, Narcissistic Domestic Violence Healing and Support Incorporated. So we did just have a bonus episode. We had a little technical difficulties with our special guest, Nikki Davis. She was actually at a cafe, but you can go ahead and still listen to what you can of that bonus episode. But um, we are back for Season 2. This is Season 2, Episode 19, and we are back. So I wanted to catch everyone up really quickly about what has happened since we took our two- to four-month seasonal break from the podcast. NDV Healing and Support Incorporated was founded on January 25th of 2020 and officially became a nonprofit with the paperwork as of March 3rd of 2020. And so NDV celebrated its one-year anniversary this year. During that time, we have helped several women and children. We have helped them through our 24-7 hotline. We've assisted them with obtaining restraining orders. We've assisted them with referrals for other community services, such as rental assistance, utility assistance, clothing. We've also helped them with hotel stays to get them out of the house with the abuser. We've helped them with food and food drives. And of course, most importantly, Importantly, as well, is our bi-weekly support group that has helped them, which is our virtual domestic violence support empowerment series, which is very popular, and more about that later on. We have also given valuable information through our podcast, the NDB Healing Podcast, which you are listening to right now, We Thank You, which today kicks off, like I said, our second season and our 19th episode. At the beginning of this episode, you will hear directly from a listener of our podcast who has truly benefited benefited from listening. So we want to thank you to all of our listeners. Um, We really, truly appreciate you. And um, while we are talking about our listeners, we have listeners in over 14 different countries, countries not including the United States, over 2,000 downloads of our episodes, and listeners in almost all of the 50 United States. So we truly appreciate all the love and support that we have received for NDV Healing and Support Incorporated. And so if you are in need of services, um, if you're a domestic violence survivor and you're in need of services, please contact us through our website is https colon slash slash NDV healing support inc.org. Again, that's https colon slash slash NDV healing support inc.org. That's one word. And then the phone number is 262 914 is our main line and our um, 24-7 hotline. And you can also email us at domesticviolencehealing at outlook.com. 
domestic at outlook.com. So those are the different ways that you can reach us, and those are also the different ways you can reach us if you are interested in donating or if you're interested in being a sponsor on our podcast. Um, we would run an ad with, with your business. So go ahead and contact us if you're interested in services, if you're interested in donating, and, of course, if you're interested in being a sponsor on our podcast. Finally, um, myself, the executive director and founder of NDV Healing and Support Incorporated, I wrote a book um, last October of 2020. It's titled My Secret Life, My Journey Through Domestic Violence. And I want to thank um, all of the listeners who have bought the book. Um, several of our listeners have bought the book and have you know, written reviews about it and have just really appreciated the book. So um, if you're interested in purchasing that, you can go ahead and purchase the book for $20 right on the NDV website. Um, ndvhealingsupportinc.org, or you can also contact us. Um, so getting back to the Virtual Domestic Violence Support Empowerment Series. Our Virtual Domestic Violence Support Empowerment Series that is very popular is a biweekly support group that meets um, via Zoom and also in person for those who can attend. But the Zoom part is very important because um, people can join us from all over, and we have had people join us from different countries and all different states in the United States. So that part is very important, and then um, those who want to join us in person can as well. Um, the, what makes the support group so unique, um, not just the component that people can join us from anywhere, but also that we have different educational topics each, each session and with a mental health professional guest each session um, that goes over those topics, and it gives the survivor an opportunity to not only um, share with other their peers, you know, how they're feeling and what they're going through, but also the, to be able to learn um, about different topics that they didn't know about and learn, um, you know, things from the mental health professional that is speaking. So they're popular in educational sessions, um, not just a regular support group. And our next virtual domestic violence support empowerment session, that next biweekly support group will be Saturday, July 10th at 5.30 Central Standard Time, 6.30 Eastern Time, um, 4.30 Mountain Time. So please um, email domesticviolencehealing at outlook.com for more information if you are interested in attending that session. So now, without further ado, um, like I said, please check out our bonus episode and get out of what you can out of it. Um, but then, um, and also go back and, um, you know, go through season one episodes one through 18 if you get a chance as well so now we're going to get into today's topic finally <laughs> um so today's topic i have several topics that i wanted to discuss for today's episode um first i wanted to go over trauma bonding a little bit just because um you know i've been getting a lot of emails from viewers that have just basically you know just just talked about how they're they're dealing with the trauma bonding because a lot of people think um I wouldn't say a lot of people but people tend to have the misconception that um that the trauma bonding is something that you know is just like it, it happens really quickly and then you know the relationship's over and it's done with but it's really not it's really a process that people go through it is it is an addiction um just like any other addiction like alcohol or addiction to drugs but it is a it is definitely a process that people go through with that. So what is a trauma bond? Well, a trauma bond is a connection that occurs between an abusive, abusive person and the individual that they are abusing, but it is it is an addiction. So just like alcohol or her heroin and this bond can develop over 
days, weeks, months. Um, you know, it's not specific to time. Um, and basically, um, Stockholm Syndrome, which people, a lot of people are aware of Stockholm Syndrome, it, it is a specific type of trauma bond. Um, and it typically refers, you know, to someone, um, if you remember the Stockholm situation, it refers to someone developing, you know, feelings towards their captors. But this, um, the trauma bonding can happen in, in all types of relationships. It, can, it happens in abusive relationships, but it can happen to a parent relationship. It can be also a romantic relationship. So um, it is a bond, a traumatic bond that you um, become addicted to the, the highs and lows that created by the abuser. Um, and so the feelings of attachment and dependence can contribute to that trauma bond and that pattern of abuse and remorse, and that's what I was talking about, those highs and those lows. Um, so the the other thing, too, um, that's important to note is that um, the abused person, you know, hopes that this will come to an end eventually, and once one day, you know, they'll they'll go back to receiving that, like the highs of the relationship, and that it'll stay in that way, like just stay with the highs. But unfortunately, um, that's not what happens in the abusive relationship. As you know, that cycle of abuse and that that will cycle it will continue. Um, and so, the person experiencing abuse may see suffering as a as a price that they have to pay. Um, remorseful behavior may also cause the abused person to feel grateful um, if they start to receive. You know, that's the part of the highs and the lows when it when it's the relationship is on a high and they're starting to receive positive behavior, they start to feel grateful for, like, the little, I guess, morsels, if you will, what they were receiving. So um, trauma bond can happen, like I said, in different types of relationships. Like I said, the parent relationship, especially those of you who were related, um, who were, excuse me, those of you who were raised by narcissistic parents um, or abusive parents, um, but it also can occur in, like, situations that involve, um, obviously, domestic violence, um, child abuse, incest, um, kidnapping and hostage, human trafficking, things like that. And um, the trauma bond also can develop under specific conditions, um, perceive, such as a person perceives a real threat of danger from their abuser, um, as well as experience harsh treatment with small periods of kindness, be isolated from other people and their perspectives, and believe that they cannot escape. So the million-dollar question here, which um, I received, like I said, countless um, things from our, our listeners, is how can we break the trauma bond? How, because, like I said, that the biggest thing to remember is that the trauma bond can outlast the relationship. So if the relationship was two years, the trauma bond can last four years or more. So the biggest thing people want to focus on is how can I break that? Because it is it is difficult, um, like in addiction, any other addiction, alcohol, addiction to drugs, addiction to heroin. Um, you know, it is, it's difficult to, on a daily basis, to you have to work at that. So one of the things that there's, you can do is focus on the present, um, you know, hoping, keep trying to keep that hope alive that the abusive person will change, 
um, focusing only on the good times or in the good times of the past only keep people in their trauma bond and only reinforce that. So we have to try, you have to try to acknowledge what is currently happening, um, not just focusing on the good times and the impact, mainly the impact that it is having on you. Um, you know, and if you can keep a diary, but if, you know, it's not safe to do so, then, you know, but if you're able to, um, uh, because then it, it would, it would allow you to, to look back. Um, the other thing is that you can do to break the trauma bond is focus on the evidence. Um, what is it that you're seeing? Is the person continuing to abuse you? Um, which, you know, you see that this person is continue, has a pattern of abuse. They're continuing to abuse you. They're not taking any steps to get help. Um, stay focused on what you're seeing rather than what they're saying and what's coming out of their mouth because you, typically what's coming out of their mouth is stuff to keep you there. Um, practice positive self-talk. Um, stay away from, you know, talking to yourself negatively. Abuse um, as you can, as we all know, can lower your self-esteem and make people feel that they can't be without the abusive person, um, that they need the abusive, abusive person. So noticing when you're talking to yourself ne negatively and stopping that and challenging that with positive words can really um, help change your mindset. Also, um, practicing self-care. What are you doing for yourself um, daily, weekly? Um, are you... Um, to, to relieve some of your stress and reduce your desire to turn um, to an abusive person for comfort because that is a huge thing, um, the self-soothing. And that was something that even I um, myself struggled with, the self-soothing, because I was used to my abuser giving me comfort, so I had to find other ways to comfort myself. So there's journaling, there's meditation, there's exercise, there's hobbies. There's prayer, miss, listening to music. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, talking to trusted friends for support, other survivors, support groups. Our virtual domestic violence support empowerment group is excellent at that. So find other ways um, to practice self-care will really help you in the long run. Okay, and so now I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and we've talked about um, the trauma bond. We talked about um, there's actually um, two I wanted to touch on, the impacts that trauma bonds have. Um, you know, trauma bonds have long-lasting impacts, long-term impacts, I should say. And one of the long-term impacts, um, there's a lot of health Im impacts on your, your that you, will, you can occur from being, um, you know, in a trauma bond relationship. Um, so it's important to to know that um, and try to, um, like I said, focus on positive things that you can do and self-care that you can do. Um, some of the things, if you're consider questioning, I guess I should say, if you are still stuck in a trauma bond, um, these are things that you you could look out for to, to see. Like, am I still in a trauma bond? Well, are you upset? Um, one of those things is obsessing about people who have hurt you. Though, um, though the relationship have, may have ended or they may be long gone, um, but you're still obsessing about that um, in, the, in the good times. Um, continuing to seek contact with people who you know will cause you further pain. Going overboard to help people who have been destructive to you. Um, 
continuing attempts to get people to like you, though they are clearly using you. Continue to being a team player when things are becoming destructive. Trusting people again and again who have proven to be unreliable or untrustworthy. Um, wanting to be understood by those who clearly do not care or not taking you into consideration and being unable to retreat from healthy relationships. So those are just some ways that you can identify that you may be in a trauma bond. So domestic violence, um, as we know, during the pandemic, um, which we're still going through the pandemic, um, there was surges in domestic violence, um, not only in the United States, but also in other countries as well. Um, and so, of course, um, you know, like I said, it was in the United States as well, there were surges, and one of the states, too, that saw a surge, um, Alaska saw a surge, Michigan saw a surge, really all over the United States and other countries saw a surge, but um, this particular, um, there was particular information about Michigan that I thought was interesting as well. So Michigan, um, and this is from the AP, was facing another public health threat on top of COVID-19, of course, storing domestic violence cases. The Michigan Coalition to End Domestic Violence and Sexual Violence um, had seen an outpouring of need of victims of domestic violence and sexual violence. The executive director and Sarah Prout Rennie reported, it's very desperate, she said, we're really, well, where we're really at is we need massive investment in domestic violence shelters and sexual assault sexual assault shelters to be able to prep ourselves for what we know is coming. In the year leading up to October, the coalition received 1,300 calls on its hotline. In the next two months, it received 1,250 calls. And then in January of 2021, it had 1,000 calls for domestic violence and sexual assault assistance. So that's just showing you um, how even, like I said, in all the various states, um, calls to hotlines have been up. The biggest surge hasn't arrived yet. Um, inability, to, inability to fundraise during COVID-19, having limited shelter space, and available, shelter space available and statewide effort to limit incarcerations because of COVID has created a perfect storm of need and danger for domestic violence victims, and that's across the United States. So domestic violence... Um, Centers and agencies across the United States have been dealing with unique um, situations because of the COVID-19 with having limited shelter space, limited funds, um, and limited, you know, incarcerations due to COVID um, have caused um, not only the increase in need for domestic violence survival, excuse me, but as well as there's been an increase for the agencies that need assistance so that they can continue to help survivors. Leaders in domestic violence and sexual violence program all over the country predicted a year ago that victims would be in greater danger as states entered lockdown and people were shut down on their abusers. Once states have started to reopen and vaccines rolled out, calls were expected to go up as victims could escape abusers and be able to gather up their children in important documents. However, um, calls have increased to hotlines more than what was predicted. During the pandemic, uh, Michigan has focused 
focused on releasing vulnerable incarcerated people from prison and limiting pretrial incarceration, as many states have done across the United States. Between March and June of last year, the State Department of Corrections reported a 1,958 prisoner population drop. Um, as a result of efforts to allow individuals, eligible individuals to receive early release or parole to prevent the spread of COVID-19. As a social justice agency, we're in this weird position because we believe in reducing incarceration, but it's definitely going to be a scalpel, not a chainsaw in these sort of sweeping reforms, which the executive director was explaining. Um, there is a rush right now, and there's a lot of criminal justice reform, and I'm supportive of that, but we've got to be careful. Our victims, they've got to deal with these consequences that can be very dire. So as you can see, with the pandemic still going on, and even though um, things are starting to try to work their way back to normal, it is still having a huge effect on domestic violence survivors as well as the agencies that provide support for the domestic violence survivors as well as even the incarceration because there are a lot of states that are trying to limit the amount of incarcerations due to COVID-19. So this has created sort of a perfect storm, if you will, for domestic violence survivors. Um, through the pandemic, and thus the need for assisting domestic violence survivors has skyrocketed in um, not just in the United States, but all over the country, which also leads us to our other um, topic that I wanted to get into, which was the World Health Organization did a study, and they find that one in three women face physical and sexual violence. Um, now, the one in three was also... Um, in the United States, but this is reported this by the World Health Organization that the one in three, um, referring also to all over the world, um, that domestic violence has become its own pandemic or epidemic. And this is from the World Health Organization. Um, the agency and its partners have found in a new study that nearly one in three women worldwide have experienced physical or sexual violence in their lifetimes calling the results a horrifying picture that requires action by governments and communities alike. So this is also from AP. Um, the report that was released by the World Health Organization based on what the agency called the largest ever study of the prevalence of, of violence and domestic violence against women also found that such violence starts early. It, says, it states that a quarter of young women yeah, so it stated a quarter of young women who have been in a relationship were found to have experienced violence by an intimate partner by the time they reach their mid-20s. The figures which track a period from 2010 to 2018 um, did not cover the pandemic. Obviously, with the pandemic um, that started, that has seen, of course, a huge increase across the United States as well as the world in domestic violence. So that's just giving you um, just a small piece of what the numbers are looking like as far as this being a huge um, epidemic that we're facing, which as survivors know, domestic violence, it's, it's huge. Another thing too that's um, interesting to point out is that the American, the United States and the American gun crisis, um, what people don't realize about the gun crisis that we're experiencing in the United States is that there's also a large um, it, that it is a large domestic violence crisis, but people are not making that correlation. And so 
Um, there is an article um, in The Guardian um, by Maura Donegan that really touches on that. Um, seven people died in Colorado Springs, Colorado on Sunday at a birthday party after the boyfriend of one of the party guests showed up with a gun. The boyfriend came to the mobile home park where the party was being held and shot six adults, including his girlfriend. Five of them died at the scene and another died later at the hospital. He then killed himself. Um, the Colorado Springs shooting comes on the heels of another shooting in Austin, Texas, when um, Stephen Broderick, a former police officer, killed his ex-wife Amanda and her teenage daughter Alyssa and Alyssa's boyfriend Willie in their home. At the time of the murders, he, Broderick was out on bail after being indicted for sexually abusing Alyssa. In her corp, in Alyssa's court petition asking for a restraining order against her stepfather filed in June 2020, 10 months before he murdered her, Alyssa wrote, that she feared the worst and that she was afraid of him and a protective order would be a piece, just a piece of paper. I'm afraid he might hurt me or my mom for coming forward. So this is um, basically, you know, shedding light on America's mass sh shootings and the calls from gun control um, have often not really taken into consideration that this is domestic, that a lot of the shootings are domestic violence related. Um, these incidences where a person with severe mental illness or a fanatical, you know, agenda, you know, opened fire in a, in a crowded space, like a church or a school, but we're not taking in consideration what, um, how the connections with domestic violence, um, often victims like Alyssa Broderick were people who had disclosed that they were being abused and had already asked the courts for protection. And that is, um, you know, a startling um, epidemic. So according to um, the executive director for the Center of Study and Prevention of Violence, 61% of mass shootings in the United States occur entirely within the home. Um, domestic abuse is closely related. The gun control um, advocacy group Every town estimates that 57% of mass shootings that occurred between January 2009 and 2014, um, the perpetrator had killed an intimate partner or family member. Um, the findings um, in a Boston University study findings also indicated that all of the perpetrators of mass shootings in America between 1966 and 2020, nearly half had documented history of violence against women before they committed their shootings. Um, guns have become an increasingly large part of America's domestic violence epidemic. An average of 57 American women every month are murdered with a gun by a current or former partner. And let me reread that statistic because this is alarming. An average of 57 American women every month are murdered with a gun by a current or former partner. And while domestic violence murders in the U.S., um, well, okay, yes. And so the number, sorry, the number of gun-related domestic violence incidences have gone up. Between 2008 and 2017, gun murders in which women were killed by romantic partners rose 15%. And even when the shootings aren't fatal, they leave lasting scars. And also, you know, of course, with post-traumatic stress disorder and the list goes on and on. Um, nearly 1 million American women have survived being shot or shot at by an intimate partner. And of course, um, an abuser does not have to use the gun for all his access to firearms to become a crucial um, element of his threat and control. 
Um, so ignoring the link between domestic violence and gun violence has had fatal consequences. The failure to understand that a, a domestic abuse as a precursor to public violence has led us to miss the warning signs about men who later commit public mass shootings. The failure to act on the knowledge that domestic violence does not use weapons is a precursor to shootings that have left many women dead, women who have asked and requested for the courts to protect them. After Broderick murdered three people in his hometown, um, in a home in Austin, Texas, the city's police department tweeted out a message advising to those nearby to stay calm. There is no risk to the general public, um, the account Austin police said, but isn't there. So this, um, that's what I wanted to close um, our episode on was to leave with that. Because like I said, that that's really alarming. Um, first of all, it, you know, the numbers of domestic violence, period, and the statistics on domestic violence, period. But when you add to the fact that um, our gun problem in the United States um, and the, the huge correlation with that with domestic violence, it really shows you not only that there's a lot of work to be done with the laws and reform, but there's a lot of work to be done with education, which is the reason, the very reason why I do this podcast and the very reason why I founded and started the nonprofit organization because of the fact that there are, again, there's a lot of education that is needed and a lot of reform that is needed because you have to think, you know, Domestic violence in and of itself is it's a complex issue. But when you add the fact that so many women are killed and so many women are 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 killed with, um, you know, at the hands of like the statistics said by by gun violence, it's um, they go like many of the women go and they get a restraining order. And um, one of the women listen in that case, you know, she was getting a straining order. And unfortunately, they still die at the hands of um domestic violence or an intimate partner or whatnot. So it's something that we need to, we as, as a country and and obviously globally, need to work on addressing the, the issues because the laws that we currently have in place are not working. Um, the reform that we currently have right now, there more needs to be done so that we can get to the, get to a point where we're not seeing, um, so deaths like this happen. So I, as I close, um, and I, you know, I guess my call to action, um, what would you like to see done? Like what, um, and of course go ahead and send us a message. We get messages and we do put, um, messages in our, um, show. So go ahead and send us a message with what you would like to see, what reform you would like to see done in terms of domestic violence. And we will add that to, um, our next episode. Let us know what you would like to see, what type of changes you would like to see in laws, what things would you like to see done differently. And I want to leave that on the minds of our listeners as we close with this episode. What changes do you think, do you need, think that would be really beneficial, beneficial in changes to domestic violence reform? I want to leave that on your mind as we close out this episode. And please be sure to join us um, for season uh, to episode 20. Um, we will be doing some, we will start um, the season off to with more additional interviews. So be sure to pay attention for our next 
episode, um, season two, episode 20, will we start and back off um, season two with more interviews. But I wanted to leave you with that fresh on your mind as we close off what reform is needed in domestic violence. Thank you again so much for joining us and have a great one. Thank you.